Welcome back, everybody. You are still here listening to The Memphis Show on Heart of Indie Radio, and we are joined with a very special guest in studio with us today. She is a multi-award-winning Canadian singer-songwriter and pianist, and she is a radio host on CBC. And for those who might not know what that is, that is the Canadian Broadcast Channel. She's also headlined festivals and venues spanning over you know five continents, from New York City, Carnegie Hall, to Beijing National Center for the Performing Arts, and she even supported Sting. She was also honored by the SoCan Music with the Haggard Hardy Award for Excellence in Songwriting, which is very apropos that we have her on the show today. Also, uh, she received a Juno Award, and again, for those who might not know what that is, it is basically Canada's Grammys. And she uh, received this award for Vocal Jazz Album of the Year. So there's a lot more <laughs> that we can dive into here, but I'm so thrilled to introduce you all to the lovely Lila Bialy. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. Aw, thanks for having me, Avery. This is fun. Absolutely. Uh, so the last time we spoke uh, was on my live stream show. Um, how have you been since then, you know, with everything going on uh, in the world? But from what I can see online, you've been very busy. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a mixed bag. I think that's true for all of us, right? It's like, when is this pandemic going to end? <laughs> for musicians <laughs> especially, right? It's like, when... When are we going to get back on stage? And I know, I know the virtual space has become critical for all of us and what a blessing it's been. But I am one who would say that it still doesn't compare to the real thing, you know? So I'm missing that profoundly and I miss that even more now than I did in 2020. Um, but we are keeping really busy. And funnily enough, there has, it's felt like there's been very little bandwidth for much beyond what we're already doing <laughs> but I can't tell if that's just a function of things being more difficult in general you know during pandemic times or if it's just you know kind of the state of our lives so um yeah but that's you know that's a quick little <laughs> synopsis <laughs> no absolutely um it's definitely been hard I think um you know, there's there's no gigs, there's no, you know, anything going on really. Um, yeah. But uh, I also just wanted to congratulate you again on your most recent album release, which was back in March of 2020, um, which was called Out of Dust and really, really interesting timing uh, for that to come out. Um, I think mostly on the world's part, it was bad timing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I wanted to talk about this album uh, and kind of dive uh, into it a little deeper like what was the inspiration behind creating uh, a project like that well I you know you mentioned that I won the Juno that was back in 2019 and I was flying high mm -hmm. you know from all appearances everything looked great um, but you know behind the scenes I was actually really suffering my uh, one of my closest friends had passed away um, quite quickly and unexpectedly um, and uh, I was dealing with some health issues of my own that were kind of, you know, reaching a fever pitch, so to speak. And um, we were having some issues with our house, the house that we were renting. And, and um, life just felt a little bit like it was coming undone or like I didn't really have control of things, which is, you know, a scary lesson, I think, for anybody. But... Um, but, uh, you know, I guess in that uh, fertile soil of suffering, <laughs> there were songs. And yes. so, you know, I dove into the writing process and I had a whole other vision for the record that ended up being out of dust. I was going to 
you know, I had recently become a dual citizen and gotten my U.S. citizenship in mm -hmm. addition to my Canadian citizenship. And I had pitched this idea to my European label about, you know, taking a, a trip across the U.S., kind of discovering the U.S., um, with a whole, with, with new eyes as a citizen. And I thought in light of everything that was happening politically, it would be really lovely by contrast to write songs that were love letters to the U S that I fell in love with pre-Trump, you know, not to get too political. Cause I know yeah. that everybody has different beliefs <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who supported him and so on. But, but anyway, um, and then, you know, when I went into the writing cave, which is Banff for me, the, the Banff Center mm -hmm. in, in the, the Rocky Mountains, I, you know, the songs that were calling to be written were about overcoming great hardship. And, um, you know, they're not songs that are really down and, and, and sad. They're, I, I would say that each of them kind of moves from sadness or darkness to hope and that's how i see life i never believe that you know death or darkness or fear or depression or a pandemic have the final say i always believe that something good is going to come from this stuff even the hardest stuff absolutely that's beautiful um like it's it's perfect timing i think uh in terms of the message behind um the most of the songs on the record um and to what just happened to be happening when it was released um yeah. and uh yeah so my my second question to that was going to be does it have a theme and uh you answered that perfectly um but do you have a favorite song from that uh record and and why it might be uh, at the top of your list you know it's interesting it changes for me um I don't know about you, Avery. I so songwriting for me still feels like kind of a new muscle. Mm. You know, I, I played classical piano for a decade before I discovered jazz and and started really digging into singing and and songwriting was something that I came into much later in my life, really when I was in my mid twenties. And it was always something that kind of terrified me. And so for me, <laughs> I go through such a journey with each song where you know, there's that initial kernel of inspiration. You know that there's something there. There's something to be said that might connect with people and um, potentially impact their lives for good, you hope. And so you try to mine that pearl and or that gem mm -hmm. and and build a song out of whatever raw material you come up with. And then, you know, I often go through a season of like being profoundly dissatisfied with what I've come up with <laughs> and, uh, and almost, almost like a self-loathing. It's, it's quite intense. And then I have to, you know, sort of get back to the fundamentals of why I wrote the song and what the song's purpose is, which is often kind of beyond me, if that makes sense. You know, I write music because I feel called to write music. Right. So if that's, you know, kind of the lens through which I look at the songs and answer your question, which is my favorite. Um, I would say that, you know, Broken Vessels, it's an un, it's kind of like, it's not the song that caught people's attention. It mm. wasn't one of the three singles um, leading up to the full album release. That's usually um, how it goes. I, I know, right? <laughs> but, um, but it, the heart, like what I described earlier of moving from darkness to light, um, from fear or, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Dejection to hope. Um, That's really, really at the heart of that song in a way that is perhaps a little more overt. And, um, and it does kind of straddle the lines of pop and jazz and, you know, there's a slight world music element. Like it's kind of got Mm -hmm. all the musical things that, that I like to, to play with, but I would say that a close second and this one has also been my favorite at times, which is really the outlier on the record, is Sugar, just because it's so fun. Oh, it is so fun. <laughs> so that's not at all, you know, that's just about sugar addiction, and it's very playful and cheeky. Um, and so it's a little bit different from the other songs in terms of its the way that it feels and reads. But it's just, yeah, it's so much fun to sing. It was so much fun to write. And I actually enjoy listening to it. You know, when I, I don't listen to my music often, but what, right. I know who does that. Right. But when I hear it, maybe on the radio, if it pops on unexpectedly or in an interview, um, that's one that I can still kind of bop around to and enjoy. That's awesome. It's such a fun song. Um, and the video that you guys have been putting out, like all those like quarantine fun videos, um, were those hard? to do because I mean I see people that are like you know starting to do more stuff like that where it's like a split screen with a bunch of musicians really um why did you want to start doing that um I mean I obviously get because you know there's not much to do with COVID but um was it hard to bring all of that together well it was hard for my husband my husband Ben Whitman is you know has a gift of being able to mix music well He's a drummer, but he's also a great mix engineer. And he, by no means is he an editing guy, like a camera, you know, a video editing guy. But he does have Final Cut Pro. So he was my secret weapon for the Quarantunes <laughs> series. So for me, it was pretty easy. You know, I just threw up a mic in the middle of the living room, put on some headphones, and Ben, you know, had a track that I sang to. And then everybody else in their homes would record and film themselves singing to that same track so that we were all in time with one another, Mm -hmm. creating kind of a virtual stage in the absence of a a real stage. And because we were supposed to be touring out of dust for like five months following the album's release and that dwindled to nothing, um, this was kind of the next best thing. Yeah. But Ben spent hours and hours lining everybody's files up. It's all the the finicky, small, detailed stuff that most people would just have no idea about, including me. I mean, he spent, I think for one of those quarantines, he spent like 53 hours. Oh my goodness. Oh my. And you just would never think. You'd think, oh, well, maybe, maybe it would be like like five hours. Yeah, you know, (laughs) but, um, and then he didn't even handle the final video edit. That was my team in, in Brooklyn, Holla Creative. But he had to make sure all the audio was properly synced to video. And he had to make sure everybody's tracks aligned. And it's just such detailed work. And he's a perfectionist. So, and you know, he's dealing with a real range of quality. So you might have somebody like me who has kind of a professional setup, thanks to Ben. Mm -hmm. Um, And then somebody else like Lisa Fisher sang on a track and she was just using her iPhone and singing into her iPhone in the air, no mic, no nothing. Right. So, so he had to make it all work together, even though he had such a variety of um, files, audio files. Mm -hmm. Well, they all sound and look amazing like they sound they look so professional um and they look like so much fun like I feel like 
it's so hard to get people together um, to do music stuff these days, right? And so yes. I guess that's, that is the next best thing. Um, but I was going to say, you, you guys, you have this beautiful family. And do you think COVID has kind of, you know, helped bring you guys closer um, just with regards to not traveling all over the place and not being go, go, go all the time? And it's more um, staying at home kind of yes. thing. Without a doubt, people talk about, you know, the pandemic or COVID silver linings, and that is ours. From the time Josh, our son, was three months old, I was touring all over, and I tried bringing him along, um, and then as soon as we were done breastfeeding, you know, we could trade off Ben and I, and that would happen a lot, and honestly, Avery, I was away from my son every couple of weeks, really. And never for more than two weeks at a time. That was kind of our rule. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, I've never been together with both Ben and Josh for a year. Never. Wow. And now it's like in excess of a year. So Mm -hmm. it's been so, so good for our little family trio. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now I want to, I want to go back to, um, you know, your songwriting process and everyone does things differently. Um, I've talked to some people on these interviews that say that they sit down at a piano and say that they're not going to use the song in a professional setting unless they finish it in one sitting. And so, oh uh, wow, right. It's interesting. And so I I hear all these different perspectives. Uh, so I'm curious, like what, makes a usable song also usable for this context i mean they can all be used uh, in some capacity Mm. but what makes a really really good song in your personal uh, opinion Ooh, you know what i would say so i I know there's okay so i'm already going to second guess myself here but (laughs) i know there's an argument could be made that you can you could have a really silly song that says just about nothing with a really Mm -hmm. plain melody right you know that isn't that memorable um but if you dress it up with all kinds of amazing production you could actually have yourself a little hit that is entirely possible in fact i bet if you and i tried hard enough we could come up with some examples fairly quickly (laughs) in the pop realm but but what i think makes a great song is if you actually strip away all that window dressing all the extra stuff And it's that songwriter and their guitar or that songwriter and their piano. And while the other elements may add to the song and illuminate the song and elevate the song, I I feel like a strong song, the strongest songs hold up when they're completely stripped down to their bare bones. And that was actually, so I'll tell you, um, I've toured with several amazing songwriters and they're all so different from one another. So there's Paula Cole, who is just pure energy and power of vocals, but she's also a really compelling lyricist. And her stuff is kind of, you know, all over the place because she has this crazy range, um, but it's all very moving and impactful. Um, And, you know, except for a couple of songs, I, you know, never really heard her do that where it was just her and the piano or her and one other instrument. There was always a lot going on in the band. Um, And then I worked with, Suzanne Vega, who was like the opposite of Paula. So Paula was like, you know, just energy and and just not hype. Hype is not the right word because it suggests that there's not, (laughs) the goods aren't there and the goods are absolutely there, but just so much energy, energy, energy and force. 
Suzanne was all about like economy of energy and so laid back. And I'll never forget somebody who I really respect was side stage. Um, it was a, one of those shows where there were a few different artists and I had met this guy through other bands and musicians mm -hmm. I'd worked with. And I played my set with Suzanne Vega because I was with her band for a few months. Came, came side stage and, and he was like, oh man, that must be a boring gig, huh? And I was like, okay, firstly, what an awful thing to say. And I knew where he was coming from. It was because she doesn't, especially for me as a jazz musician, she doesn't dress up her songs with all these fancy harmonies. And, you know, and there's not like, like the songs just kind of coast along in their way. But the thing that struck me about Suzanne was that when you broke those songs down, again, to the, the raw material, Suze and her guitar, mm. they worked every time. The storytelling was there. The melody was there. Fine, maybe it wasn't like a 20-note range. It might have been a little <laughs> bit more, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but all the ingredients were there. And I think that's why she's been so successful. I mean, she really is. Harold, mm -hmm. it is one of the great songwriters in the folk realm, you know, in the folk pop rock realm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That was, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have a new video out and it's so creative. Um, and it's it's just a it's just a lyric video from uh, from what I know. But um, why did you want to do a video like that? It's, it maybe explain to people for those who haven't seen it what what it kind of looks like. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. So the odd thing about this one, and I almost didn't go for it because it, it's a video for a song that we released in 2018. So it's like, why on earth would you <laughs> create a video three years later? Well, that song is called Satellite. And mm -hmm. Um, it was one of those, actually, I had to wrestle with that song. So it started off as just a single vamp that I came up with on a sound check before a gig. I wrote it down and put that little piece of paper away and then later came upon it. And I was like, oh, I should turn this into a song, came up with some chords for the verses and just sort of was vocalizing a melody without lyrics. And eventually, you know, when I was playing a gig and away from my boys, away from my family, I had this idea come to mind, which was like, how do we connect with people when we can't be with them physically? Because I was missing them so much. Mm -hmm. And I just had this idea that the mere thought of them, like really thinking about them and focusing my mind, my heart, my energy on these boys that I love, it just filled me with their presence, even though they weren't physically with me. So that's kind of what the song is about, trying to beam your loved ones into the space with you when, when you can't physically be together. So as you might imagine, this song became almost a theme during pandemic. Right. And I would be like playing live streams and I'd go, oh my gosh, this song, this song, I'm singing these <laughs> lyrics and they really are coming alive. And I had a couple people, you know, say, oh my gosh, I'm crying because, you know, because they're feeling, yeah. they're able to really embrace the song for themselves, which again, is I think it's another really important um, hallmark of songwriting, which is, um, you know, that the listener gets to own the song for themselves. Um, and so I saw people responding in this unique way. And I had always wanted to create a video for Satellite, but had never made it happen. And so my team, Hala Creative, um, they handle all my branding and visuals. 
they're just this very creative young couple in Brooklyn. And, you know, they had been holed up together in their tiny little apartment for months on end. And so when December rolled around, I said, Hey guys, why don't, why don't we do like a, you know, lyric video that's, that uses these unique skills you both have, which is like, you know, art. So paper cutouts and, (laughs) and then stop motion animation and um, live action video techniques so they created this like little live action stop motion animation film for satellite yeah using paper cutouts and maps and you know and and it's it's really whimsical and sweet i just feel like it perfectly fits and captures the character of the song yeah no for sure so yeah if you haven't seen that please go watch it it's really really cool um and uh it's just so creative. It kind of takes you somewhere else for a little bit, you know? Um, so before I let you go, I wanted to ask, um, so this is uh, a channel that strongly supports independent artists. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you if you had one word of advice uh, for all the independent artists out there, what would that be? Oh man, this is your time. I, as an artist who I'm now 40 and I have, you know, been with many different labels around the world. Um, and I've had several different agencies, a few different managers. Um, and I just, this is, this is a time in history when the indie artist is king. The <laughs> gatekeepers have become far less important. You've direct access to, you know, radio, tastemakers, bloggers, uh, playlist editors. Like there's just all the, barriers to entry that used to exist for the independent artist have essentially been obliterated. Hmm. So go out and you read and study and find out, like subscribe to music business podcasts, Mm -hmm. listen while you're walking or working out or, you know, doing the dishes or cooking or whatever, and just equip yourself with as much information as you can about how you can use the resources that are out there and available to you and take advantage of the access you have because it's amazing. It's amazing. This did not exist 10 years ago. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. And uh, where can people find you uh, so that they, uh, they know where to go? (laughs) Oh, thanks. Um, Well, my website, lilabiali.com, L-A-I-L-A-B-I-A-L-I.com. And then I'm on Facebook, Lila Bialy Music. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lila Bialy, and I've just joined TikTok. I don't know how long I'm going to stay on there, but I'm there. I'm there. Well, thank you so, so much for uh, coming on and chatting. Uh, I appreciate it, and so does the uh, so does Heart of Indie. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Avery. I'm such a fan of yours, so it's really cool <laughs> that we can talk. <laughs>